Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. your Bibles today, invite your attention into the Word of the Lord to the book of Genesis. It's so good to see Darren Paul with us today. We appreciate him, and uh, it's good to see him again. He's been very kind to me through the years, and and just appreciate him so much and glad to see him. Genesis chapter number 8 and verse 1. And God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters assaged. The fountains also of the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped. And the rain from heaven was restrained. And the waters returned from off the earth continually and after the end of the 150 days, the waters were abated. And the ark rested in the seventh month on the 17th day of the month upon the mountains of Ararat. And the waters decreased continually until the 10th month. And in the 10th month, on the first day of the month, were the tops of the mountains seen. Let's fast forward down to Verse 15, And God spake unto Noah, saying, Go forth of the ark, thou and thy wife and thy sons and thy sons' wives with thee, and bring forth with thee every living thing that is with thee of all flesh, both of fowl and of cattle, and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, that it may breed abundantly in the earth and be fruitful and multiply upon the earth. And Noah went forth and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him. And every beast and every creeping thing and every fowl and whatsoever creepeth upon the earth after their kinds went forth out of the ark. And Noah builded an altar unto the Lord and took of every clean beast and every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I give or will I again smite anymore every living thing as I have done. While the earth remaineth seed time and harvest and cold and heat and the summer and winter and the day and night, shall not cease. Verse 1 of chapter 9, And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and and upon every fowl of the air and upon all that moveth upon the earth and upon all the fishes of the sea, into your hand are they 
delivered. And I just want to use these verses of Scripture to preach from this title this morning, You Have All You Need to Start Over. You Have All You Need to Start Over. I believe the Lord wants to help somebody. How many wants the Lord to help you today? How many wants the Lord to touch your heart here this morning? Why don't you lift up your hands, your voices along with me, and let's pray together that God would bless and have His way in this house. Jesus, we're asking You to touch us today and strengthen us. I pray that Your Word would move upon our hearts and minister to the needs of this congregation today. We're asking God for Your blessing. We're praying, Lord, for Your help. We know, God, that You are able to do it seating abundantly above all that we ask or think according to to the power that worketh within us. And I'm praying for that power to work today. Anointing to be activated today. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said amen. Let's clap our hands to him again. Isn't God so good to you, church? Come on, we can do much better. God has been good to us. He's worthy of our praise. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. You have all you need to start over. A man was taking a vacation in the Swiss Alps, and the resort that he chose was way up in a very secluded area. And one morning early when he awoke, he heard a roaring sound that scared him, and he interpreted it to be the sound of an earthquake that was taking place in those mountains. So he quickly dressed, he ran down to the front desk, and he got the attention of some staff that was there, and he wanted to know what the protocol was uh, in an emergency such as this. If there was an earthquake situation, what is it that we need to do? And... Uh, the staff member looked at him and said, Sir, this resort is built on the west side of the mountains. And the sun, of course, comes up on the east side. And these mountains are filled with snow, and when the sun comes beaming down in the morning, it begins to expand that snow and it begins to melt and the roar, the sound that you heard was the snow that was cascading down the mountain. It was not an earthquake. It's not the end of the world. Sir, it's just the beginning of a new day. It's highly probable here this morning that there are people that I'm preaching to that is currently experiencing what looks like a tragedy, that maybe you're experiencing something right now that looks to be the end, but in reality, God is giving you an opportunity to start over again. What is happening in your life is not designed to destroy you, but it's designed to give you another chance to make things right and to get things in order. And it's going to be to the salvation of your soul. 
sometimes if we're not careful, we can misinterpret things that is happening around us and in our world. What is currently going on in our lives, we can think it's the hand of God that is turned against us when in fact it is the hand of God that is working in our lives to save us, to get our attention, to stir us up. I don't know about you, but there's been times that God has had to shake me. Oh, I don't feel like I'm the only one here this morning. Don't sit there so self-righteously. I believe there's other people that is in this house that can also identify with what I'm saying. You needed the Lord to stir your soul. You needed the Lord to help you to get back on course, to make some things right, to correct some situations in your life. And I'm thankful that God is merciful that God is gracious enough, that God cares enough to not just leave us to ourselves. You know, the most dangerous thing that could happen to any one of us is for us just to be left to ourselves sometimes. What do you mean? Our own decisions, our own choices, our own way in the world, our own devices that we've created. But God sometimes steps in in His mercy And He salvages us from those situations. He saves us. He pulls us out of our own own world that we've created by our choices. And gives us an opportunity to make things right again. To, as it were, go back and start over. And correct some mistakes that we have made. And I'm thankful for that aspect of grace and serving God, that He is just that way, that He's just that kind, that He's just that merciful, that I can go back and start over, that I don't just get a one-time run at this deal. Aren't you thankful that you didn't just get one chance and one opportunity? Because the majority, and I would probably say every one of us, would not be here this morning, would not feel what we're feeling or experience what we're experiencing if it wasn't for God's mercy that has been extended to us, not one time, but many, many times in our lives. If you're thankful for God's mercy, you ought to clap your hands right now. Clear your throat and say amen, because God has been good to you. Our text really describes a world that has forgotten God. A world, that Andalusian age that has spiraled out of control and their focus is really on anything but God their creator matter of fact the Bible says that their mind and their imagination was upon evil continually in other words all they could think about all they could ponder upon all they daydreamed about all that ever was upon their mind was evil imaginations, what they could be doing as far as sin and wickedness and carnality was concerned. And when God surveyed the situation, when God looked down upon this people, He said, My spirit will not always strive with men. In other words, there is a limit to my mercy. There is a place, there is a line of demarcation where I cannot continue to be so gracious that I will not continue to show long-suffering and 
patience with them. But there's coming a point when judgment is going to come for their actions. You know, sometimes people think that they're getting by. Some people think because nothing immediately happens. They sin and they cross over the borders of safety into the world of sin and carnality and things that this world presents to them they experiment with and they think because nothing immediately happens that some way somehow they're getting by with it but my bible said god is not mocked whatsoever a man sows that shall he also reap the things that we sow in life we're going to reap in life you sow to the wind the scripture tells us that you're going to reap the whirlwind you, you don't realize the influence that sin has and the impact sometimes that sin has upon your life until later on. Sometimes it appears that uh, things are just going on as normal and nothing is happening. But even the scripture tells us that the pleasures of sin can exist for a season. There's a period of time that it seems that everything is being ignored by God. Don't misinterpret that. That is really God's mercy to you. That you would awaken yourself. That you would be stirred and you would realize on your own, hey, God's been too good to me for me to be acting this way. God has blessed me too much for me to be behaving in this manner. I believe that God and His redemptive power has saved me from too much for me to be giving this response and reacting to His mercy in this way. I really should be in the house of God. I really should be worshiping. I really should be thankful. I really should be dedicated. I really should be consecrated unto God. Amen. I really should be living a committed life before the Lord and uh, God has given us that space and it seems like that we're getting by but I want to tell you that if you sow to the things of the world there's a harvest that is coming that you might not want to reap and so is the case with the people of this age that Noah lived in but as debauched and as sinful and as carnal and as worldly and as wicked as these people were the scripture says so bad that, that God repented that he had even made man upon the face of the earth. And it grieved him. It grieved him at his heart. The actions, the lifestyle, the wickedness that they were involved in grieved the Lord. I don't know about you, but I don't want anything that I would do or anything that I would participate in or involve myself in to cause God to be grieved or be saddened by my actions. I want to do things that please God. I want to do things that bring glory to God. I want to do things that, if I could say it this way, that make God happy. I don't necessarily know just how uh, the emotional makeup of God is and and I know that he's not like you and I, but uh, I do want to do things that please him, that are pleasant to him, that are appealing to him. 
One thing that I know that God likes is he likes it when a saint of God that's been redeemed by his blood comes into his house and they're not worried about how bad the week has been. They're not concerned about who's around them and their lack of response. But they come to the house of God and say, you know what? When it's time to sing, I'm going to sing. When it's time to raise my hands, I'm going to raise my hands. When it's time to lift my voice, bless your heart, I'm going to lift my voice. I'm going to sing the song of the redeemed. I'm going to worship God. I'm going to give Him praise because He alone is worthy to be lifted up. I'm going to clap. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to dance. I'm going to shout. I'm going to leap for joy. But one things for sure. I'm going to give him something that he's pleased with. I'm going to give him something that appeals to him. Oh, clap your hands and let's give praise to the Lord. The Lord made a determination. He said, I will destroy men whom I created from the face of the earth. But I like chapter 6 and verse 8. It says, but Noah, contrast there, all of the wickedness that is going on in the world, all the debauchery that is taking place in the world, all of the sinful deeds that are flying in the face of God and that grieves him and saddens him, yet he looks over and there's one that brings a smile to the countenance of God. There's one that among all else is standing out for righteousness. That is standing up for truth. That is still living a dedicated life. That is uninfluenced by everything that is around him. And the Bible says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And when the Lord looked at him, he said, there's one person that while I'm destroying all the wickedness and the sin that exists in this world, there's one that has remained righteous. There is one that has endeavored to serve me. There's one that has endeavored to stay faithful to me. And I cannot destroy the righteous with the wicked. I'm going to spare him. I'm going to save him. I'm going to make a plan to salvage him out of this world world of sin I am going to give him a way to escape the judgment that is pending the judgment that is coming that I have planned to wipe the face of the earth and start over with I'm going to give Noah a chance and I just can't help but stop here and preach this little while aren't you thankful out of all the people in the world that he gave you a chance that he gave you an opportunity out of all the folks that could have been here this morning you're here you're able to worship you're able to feel the power of God you're in this place today you're not here by your own you're not here because you've got it going on you're not here because you've got it all figured out you're not smart enough to save yourself amen but you needed a God that can reach to where you are you needed a God that would show grace upon you you needed a God that would concern himself enough to give you a way of escape to give you an opportunity to be saved I'm thankful for the grace and the mercies of Almighty God 
Scripture tells us that in fact, and I'm not going to belabor the point because most of us are familiar with it, God gave him instructions. He, along with his sons, built an ark. And there was a space of 120 years where God extended his mercy and his judgment, as it were, and gave opportunity for a people to change their mind. But judgment was going to come. And there came a day that God commanded Noah to enter into the ark. And upon entering into the ark, it wasn't immediate even then that judgment was coming. Because there was a period of time that lapsed between the time that he entered into the ark until the rains began to descend and the fountains of the deep were unleashed and flood came upon the earth. Again, it seems that God is extending. God is giving opportunity. And a flood comes. God shuts the door of the ark. The flood comes upon the ark or upon the earth. And we, of course, know that God has given this, given this family uh, an ark of safety to be saved in. And if you read and if you know uh, what has occurred in these three or four chapters that tell us this story, you know that it was quite a period of time that they were on that ark. But yet the Lord sustained them during that period of time. I'm going to tell you whatever God gives you a call to do and ask you to do, He'll sustain you in it. He doesn't ask us to do anything that He will not help us to be successful in accomplishing it. He didn't tell Him to get on that ark and then Him to be there as a prisoner, unable to be sustained through the storm. But as long as the storm lasts, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to sustain you. I'm going to tell you, when you walk as a child of God through trials and through storms of life, as long as you stay faithful to Him, He will sustain you. He will take care of you. And when finally we see that this period of the flood and the descending the descending of the waters and the unleashing of the fountains of the deep had passed. The Bible tells us, and I read it to us this morning, in the 8th chapter in the 1st verse, and God remembered. Everybody say remembered. And God remembered Noah. Now th those words, they kind of baffle me a little bit. God remembered. Uh, did He forget Noah in the first place? He's a omniscient God. He knows everything. Uh, he, he doesn't have an option of forgetting. He doesn't suffer amnesia. He isn't like us that we forget things. Uh, he, he's not, he doesn't have to succumb to uh, humanity like you and I do. But uh, he knows all things. And then it says that God remembered Noah. But as I got to studying this a little closer Actually, this is a, a frail attempt to really interpret this and to translate this. But in the Hebrew, the word really comes closer to meaning he marked Noah. Meaning before the storm rains ever beginning, 
to descend and before the fountains of the deep were ever released to flood the earth that God had already marked Noah. Before, in other words, there was ever a problem, God already had a solution to the problem. I'm going to tell you, God never leads you into anything. God never allows you to walk into anything that he doesn't have it figured out how you're going to come out of it. He doesn't have it figured out uh, that you're going to be victorious uh, as long as you keep holding to his unchanging hand, as long as you keep trusting him and believing him uh, and walking with him, uh, he's going to lead you out. Uh, He marked him. Uh, He said, there's a man there that I'm going to take care of. Uh, I'm going to sustain him. Uh, I'm going to take care of him. Uh, I'm going to be there for him. uh, And he's going to come through it. Uh, Isn't it nice? to know as a child of God that there's no trial that you go through that you will not come out as a triumphant child of God with victory that you will not come through it on the other side knowing that God has taken care of me he's watched over me he's been there for me he's helped me he's going to sustain me I didn't get in this thing on my own but God you told me to do this you're the one that's shut and sealed the door. You're the one that told me to get on the ark. And as long as I stay obedient to you, you're going to bring me through this. You're going to bring me out of this. Everything is going to be all right. Come on, let's give a hand clap of praise unto the Lord. Come on, is there any marked people in this place? Any marked Saints of God, you you feel like you've been marked by the mercies of God. It wasn't your connections. It it wasn't your intelligence. It it wasn't anybody that you knew. But uh, as the psalmist said, if it had not been for the Lord that was on my side, I don't know where I'd be. I don't know what would have become of the situation. I certainly wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be able to worship as I'm worshiping today. I wouldn't be in the house of God. I wouldn't feel what I'm feeling. Amen. I wouldn't be experiencing what I'm experiencing. I still wouldn't be here through all that I've been through if it hadn't been for Him and His goodness, His graciousness, His kindness to me. Amen. There's several times that the the devil had designs on me to destroy me, but it was God that intervened. It was God that took care of me. It was God that watched over me. It was God that had me marked. It was God that said, I'm going to take care. He remembered where I was at. He never forgot me in the storm. He never forgot me when trouble came. He didn't forget me when sickness came. He didn't forget me when the trial uh, surrounded my life. I'm so thankful that God remembers. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Somebody ought to give him a hand clap of praise right now. Finally, after the rains were abated, after the fountains of the deep were shut off, the scripture says in verse 4, and the ark rested in the seventh month, on the seventeenth day of the month, upon the mountains of Ararat. 
You know, we got to be careful we don't miss this. I want you to understand what it's really saying here. After all that period of time, and after the storm, after they'd survived it, after it was over with, the Bible says that the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. It's telling us that when the storm stopped, they were in a higher place than they were when it started. When the storm started, you were down here. But when the storm stopped, you were up here. Amen. Sometimes we don't always see it this way. We don't always realize it like this. We don't always think it when we're going through it. But I'm going to tell you, when the storm is over, when the storm stops, and God has His way in your life, hallelujah, the storm wasn't meant to destroy you. It was meant to elevate you. It was there to strengthen your faith. Your faith is going to be elevated. Your your vision is going to be elevated. Your trust in God is going to be elevated. What you're able to believe God is able to do. Amen. He's bringing me up out of the lowlands of doubt. He's bringing me up out of the lowlands of selfishness. He's bringing me up out of the lowlands. Amen. Of worrying about everything in this world. And and being so, so focused on things of this life. He's bringing me up to a higher place and a higher plane. And I'm going to see things that I wasn't able to see before. Amen. I'm going to be able to be aware of things and realize that God is in control. And I can trust Him. And He is using this to help me. And when I get through, I'm going to come out with a testimony. When I get through with this trial, I'm going to come out with a testimony of just how good God is, that He is a healer, that He is a deliverer, that He is a way maker, that He is a soul saver, that He is able to turn situations around, that He is able to answer prayer, that He is able to keep those, amen, that are committed to Him. Oh, somebody lift up your voice and let's give praise to the Lord right now. Come on, let's give thanks to the Lord right now. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. You got to see it from the place he sees it. Romans 8, 28, we quote it all the time, but do we really believe it? We know that all things... See, we think some things, all things work together for the good to them who are the called, to them, first of all, that love God, and to them that are the called according to His purpose. Does anybody love the Lord here? Does anybody feel like He called you? Come on, he certainly called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. He gave you the truth. He gave you the blessing of knowing him. He gave many of us, the most of us, the spirit of God. He gave, amen, so much to us. He called us. We're called according to his purpose. And we can trust that he is still in control. Praise God. And then between the verses... 7 and 13, 
it's an unusual thing that takes place here. The ark comes to rest on the mountains of Ararat. And we think in our minds, and this is a way that we've taught it a lot of times, that immediately, I mean, they just lift out the game plank and everybody just deboards the ark and all the animals are able to run and go free at that point and it was over with. But you need to read this account in the scripture. That's not exactly how it happened. But there was a process of time between verses 7 and 13. The waters were abated. And then it says that the waters dried up from the earth and they could see and look around that there's land that still they stay. Noah and his family stays upon the ark. There's a raven that is sent forth and it does not return. There's a dove that is sent forth and, and uh, it returns. And then the next test, it's sent forth again and returns with an olive branch in its mouth. And, and so we, we understand what is going on or what is taking place here in the Word of God. And... We understand that, that, uh, that Noah doesn't immediately, just because of what he sees, he doesn't immediately deboard the ark. He doesn't immediately get off of the boat. But he waits. And one would say, well, what is he, what is he waiting on? I mean, I mean, he's been pinned up with all these animals. And he's been on this ark for all of this period of time, months and, and, and many days. And, 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 and cooped up there with, with all that. And, 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 and surely he's looking forward to the opportunity of getting off of the ark. But he waits. And, and he stays put on the boat. And it seems like uh, that he's just stalling. And then all of a sudden in verse 15 and God spake unto Noah saying go forth of the ark in other words he was waiting on the voice of God oh that's important he was waiting on the voice of God some people move on what they feel some people move only on what they see if I can see it I'll believe it I, if I can see it I'll do it if I can see my way then I'll participate in it I'll be involved in it if I can see how it's going to turn out but, but Noah realized something we can't go by what we see we got to depend upon the voice of the Lord because maybe maybe he realized that's what has gotten man in this jam in the first place is by going what they have saw going by what they see maybe that's why we ended up with a storm in the first place amen but we've got to wait on the voice of God we got to wait on some direction from God we need God I'm going to tell you God still speaks to people I said God could still speak to a man of God and he could preach from the word of God and it could speak to your heart right where you are I don't know how many times I've had people say to me have you been reading my mail this week what's been going on do you know did somebody tell you what's happening no but I'm telling you the Holy Ghost knows the spirit of God knows and the voice of God is still able to speak in your situation that's right if you only go by what you see you're going to end up in failure you're going to end up with heartache if you only go by what you see you're going to end up in trouble well, let's go back to Genesis chapter 3 
The Bible said that Eve, she looked and she saw that the tree was good for food. And it was pleasant to the eye. And she bit into it. Amen. People bite into things just because it looks good to them. Just because, amen. Has anybody that's ever been into something and you realize it wasn't near as good and it didn't taste near as good as what it looked like it was going to taste like? Amen. You can't go by the way things appear. It may look like it's the end. It may look like there's no hope. It may look like it's so appealing, but you don't get ahead of the voice of God. You've got to be patient to wait on the voice of God because when God speaks he's clear when God speaks he will reveal when God speaks he'll give revelation that you can't figure out on your own when God speaks you can step out with a surety when God speaks there's no room for failure when God speaks he's going to take care of you and it's going to be alright we need the voice of the Lord to speak in the situation it may look good. It may seem logical. But I need God to speak in this situation. I need God to give his opinion. I'm not a big sports buff at all. Matter of fact, sometimes I don't know. I see all the hubbub and all the things go on. It's just amazing to me that people can get that frantic and excited about all that stuff. But I, I do read the newspaper from time to time. And I do listen to the radio from time to time. And I have seen pictures of those coaches, those football coaches, with those headsets on. I've seen pictures of them where they got mad and threw those headsets down. Evidently, they weren't real happy with something that was told to them through the headset. That's all I can figure out about it. But anyway, they're speaking and talking into those headsets. And all that they do, I suppose. And, and one would think maybe they're conversing with people on the field. But that's not the case because those fellows don't have earpieces in those helmets. They can't tell them uh, what moves to make out necessarily, I don't guess, on the field. But what I am told is the man on the field, because he has a limited perspective, he depends on somebody that's way up way up in the stands that is able to look down from his view and see what is going on on the field. And he's able from that perspective to call plays and give direction. And he's able to tell the man down on the field what it looks like they're forming in this way and they're preparing for this. And so this is how you're going to circumvent it. And this is how you're going to get around it. And this is how you can win the game. And he calls the plays from his perspective. I'm going to tell you, God sees what you cannot see. It may look good to the eye. It may be pleasant to the eye. It may be appealing to you, but God knows. Amen. And God is aware. And God can see from His perspective. He's looking down on the situation saying, no, don't move there. Don't do, go that direction. Don't do that. Don't, don't take that step. Don't do that thing. Amen. Don't make that decision. Don't make that choice. That's not right. Don't 
do that. But this is what you need to do. Let him call the plays. Let him make the decisions. Let him make the choices for you. And if you'll let him and allow him to have control, if you'll listen to his voice as he speaks to you, it'll save you a whole lot of heartache. It'll save you a whole lot of trouble in your life. Come on, clap your hands and let's give praise to him right now. And so, let's talk about Noah's response to all of this. It seems like if you read this story from the 6th chapter all the way to the ending of the 8th chapter, it's, it's God speaking to Noah. This is what you do. You do this. You do thus and so. You take care of this. I mean over and over again. It's the actions of God. It's not until the latter portion of chapter 8 that we begin to see Noah's response. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 8, God gave grace to Noah. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 14, God gave instructions and the specifics of how the ark was to be built and what it was to be built out of. Then in chapter 7 and verse 1, God said for him to get in the ark. And then 7 and 16, God shut the door of the ark. Chapter 8 verse 1, God remembers Noah. Chapter 8 verse 15, God said, go forth of the ark. He, he spoke to him to leave the ark. And then when we get to chapter 8, verse 20, it says, And Noah builded an altar unto the Lord. You guys didn't get it. Chapter 6, verse 8, God gave grace to Noah. Chapter 6, verse 14, God gave instructions to Noah. God, in chapter 7, verse 1, God said, get on the ark. In chapter 7, verse 16, God shut the door. It's all God making the actions and he's given the commands. And in chapter 8, verse 1, God remembered Noah. In chapter 8, verse 15, and God said, go forth of the ark. In chapter 8, verse 20, and Noah built an altar unto the Lord. I see you didn't get it. Chapter 6, verse 8, God gave grace to Noah. Chapter 6, verse 14, and God gives instructions to Noah. God said in verse 7 and verse 1, get on the ark, Noah. In chapter 7, verse 16, he shuts the door of the ark. In chapter 8, verse 1, God remembers Noah. In chapter 8, verse 15, and God said it's time for you to be bored to go forth out of the ark. But then in 8 and 20, the Bible says, and Noah building an altar unto the Lord. Everything leading up to 8 and 20, uh, God told him what to do. God told Noah, this is how you do it. But when you get to 8 and 20, Noah doesn't need anybody to tell him what to do no more. Because when you have received blessings and mercy and goodness like Noah's received, ain't nobody has to tell you to worship. Ain't nobody has to tell you to praise God. Ain't nobody has
else to tell you it's time to build an altar, buddy. It's time to give some sacrifices. It's time to dare. When you've been saved from a flood, when you've been saved from the ravages of God's judgment, when you should have been, but you were not because of the grace of God, there's nobody that has to tell you it's worship time. There's nobody that has to tell you it's time to praise the Lord. Why don't you stand with me? Let's praise Him together right now. Oh yeah, we used to sing that song. If you've been through what I've been through, then you would understand why I worship, why I praise, why I sing, why I shout, why I rejoice, why I lift my hands, why I leap for joy, why I run the aisles. Because God in His mercy has been good to me. He's blessed me. He's saved me. I should have drowned it in the flood, but He gave me mercy. I should have been doomed by his judgment but he gave me grace and so now I'm going to build up some praise I'm going to build up some worship I'm going to come to the altar of praise and thanksgiving that's Noah's response what's going to be your response to God's mercy this morning hallelujah hallelujah some of us are kind of slow this morning we're kind of sluggish must have ate too much barbecue over the 4th of July holiday. But I'm going to tell you, if we can get excited about pop and banging and racket that fireworks make, my God kept me up all night Wednesday night. Amen. If we can get excited about all that, my Lord, how much, how much more should we be excited about the grace and the goodness and the mercies of Almighty God? Somebody ought to want to rejoice and give praise and thanksgiving unto the Lord. We get down there to verse 21, and the Bible says, And the Lord smelt sweet savor. And the Lord said in his heart, he got to contemplating things. He said, I will not curse the ground anymore for man's sake. For the imaginations of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite anymore every living thing as I have done. While the earth remaineth seed time and harvest, cold and heat, and the summer and the winter and the day and the night shall not cease. And he decides that he's going to do two things. God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. God said, I'm going to bless him. He didn't have to build an altar of worship, but he did. He didn't have to praise me, but he did. He didn't have to. He didn't have to come out of that ark after after being in those confines for that long and have a praise on his lips. But he did have, Amen. And so I'm gonna bless him. I'm gonna make him fruitful. I'm gonna help him. I'm gonna be there to to multiply every everything that he sets his hand to do. I'm gonna bless it. I'm gonna bless it. I'm gonna tell you, God can bless people that worship Him. God can bless people. You need a blessing? I, I got some news for you. You need to worship God. You need to learn how to praise the Lord again. You need to learn how to magnify Jesus again. But it didn't stop there. He said, I'm not just going to bless him, but I'm going to give dominion to him. 
Verse 2, And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every fowl of the air and upon all that moveth upon the earth and upon all the fishes of the sea. Into your hand are they delivered. I'm going to give you dominion. I'm going to give you authority. You say, well... Looks like I've lost everything through this trial. Looks like I've lost and I'm further behind than I was when I started. Oh no, you misinterpreted it all. If you still got worship and if you still got praise and if you still got thanksgiving in your heart, you've got all you need for a comeback. I said you've got all you need to start all over again. You've got everything you need to be blessed. Amen. Because you understand that the devil's not in control. You understand that man's not in control. But God is in control. And he's the one that lifts up and he's the one that puts down. He's the one that blesses and he's the one amen that is able to help you right where you are. What you need to do is say I may not have anything but worship but that's all I need. That's all I need. That's all I need is worship unto God and give praise unto God. I know. I know that it's Sunday morning. You're supposed to be calm, cool, collected on Sunday morning. I know. I know you guys have been trained that you're supposed to be aristocratic on Sunday morning. And we want to impress everybody on Sunday. I understand all that. I understand Sunday morning. You're still wiping the sleep out of your eyes. You had a hard night last night. Amen. You should have went to bed. But you didn't go to bed until way late. And so now you're tired. But I just wonder if there's somebody that's in this place that says, My God, if He brought me out, if He showed me such mercy if he's been so good to me because of Calvary I got some worship because of the blood I got some worship because of the goodness of God I got some worship because God has been merciful I got some worship I didn't come just to go through the motions this morning I didn't come just to just to just to play church today but I come to shout a little bit I come to rejoice a little bit I come to lift up my voice I come to give it praise with all of my heart Come on, get your hands in the air, worshiper. God can bless you right where you are. Get your hands in the air, worshiper. God can touch you right where you are.